filibuster receives sponsorship from the Ehrlich Law Office, Discrimination, Wage, and Litigation Solutions for Northern Virginia and the District of Columbia. They want you to know that your rights matter. You deserve to be free from harassment, and you deserve to work. They cover workplace discrimination and wage theft, non-competition and non-solicitation litigation, civil rights, takings and disability, and a lot more. For a free consultation, go to ehrlichlawoffice.com slash filibuster. Guys, uh, we're recording Tuesday in part because uh, I know I needed Monday to um, recover my brain because covering two games in one weekend, it turns out, uh, is a real brain drain. Uh, I got home from the Spirit game Sunday and had no idea, uh, no able, no ability to make like coherent thoughts, no idea about what to do with myself or anything. Uh, and so yesterday, I found myself still brain drained. Uh, and one of the things I did to help myself get over this uh, terrible lack of ability to think uh, someone at some point put a five-hour supercut of Beavis and Butthead clips where they're just commenting on the music videos and not the plot at all. Um, and so I just put that on in the background and would occasionally <laughs> like kind of zone in and hear them making fun of uh... Jason. Yeah, this is the most Gen X thing you've ever said on this podcast. <laughs> I, I think I think you're you might be slightly like there's a there's a little Beavis and Butthead got popular in like 1993. So right, but like you have to be a Gen Xer, even a young Gen Xer. No, to, you don't. To, yes, Jason, don't you be do. beholden to the the lines the demogra- uh, the the demographers tell you you have to stick with on generations because guess what they're always wrong. Um, so yeah, there are some precocious hinterlands between gen x and millennial people who got into beavis and butthead and i absolutely was the kid who wanted to be watching anything that was like also jason swear word you hate being called you hate being uh, any associated with any millennials he also hates hate being it. associated with any gen x he does he yeah rejects I, labels I, yes I, I, I generational I am, labels I am generational. generational labels are incorrect uh that is my position <laughs> he is so, he is adrift He's like if a I had to pick uh, in the universe I'll, of I'll say pick one, this. Jason, Jason, pick one right now. Pick one. No, if I had to pick a, no, a pick group one to hang right out now. with, I would prefer to hang out with millennials. Okay. Hey, hey, welcome in. This is Filibuster, the Black and Red United and getting weird about generations podcast. I'm Adam Taylor. Adam joined as always by Jason Anderson and the interrupting Ben Bromley. Yes, Ben. Are you are you a millennial? Yes. I was born in 1983, of course, late 83. Of course, I'm a millennial. I'm an elder millennial. I'm a geriatric millennial, apparently. No, we don't call it that anymore. We're we're elder millennials. I refuse geriatric millennials. Methuselah millennials. No. (laughs) Old Testament millennials. Uh, (laughs) We we are all from blackandredunited.com, where we write about not demography, not generations, Star Trek or otherwise, we write about soccer, DC United mostly, and uh, that's what we talk about on this show. Tonight we've got a two-to-one loss wanna, to Atlanta United. I don't, don't want to. I don't want to. We're going to get into it. And later in the week, you can hear our preview of DC United's upcoming game against the Philadelphia Union that happens Saturday uh, at Audi Field. Watch it on Teleexitos, DCUnited.com, or ESPN+. But 
don't try to find it on NBC Sports Washington because they will be showing the Washington football team game on both of their channels. It, we'll get into that I mean, in the next episode, I think. Yeah. We're, we're, or in we're this episode, gonna... we're we're going back to the back to the future on this. A little bit, a little bit. Before we talk about anything though, Ben, what are you drinking? Uh bourbon and coke. I'm just keeping it keeping it extra tonight. Bourbon and coke. That's it. That's the tweet. Jason, what are you drinking? Uh I'm having a uh nice ice cold uh can of Sapporo. Nice. Oh, yeah. Did yeah. you end up buying like a giant pack of it again? Yes. Uh, the, the same liquor store continues having the same deal and it keeps being hot out. So I keep finding myself over there being like, guess I'm going to buy some more Sapporo. Yeah, 30 Sapporo <laughs> sound pretty good right now. I, I just hope that at some point the guy, it's not like the thing where someone sees uh, uh, like the gas station attendant sees how many people are coming to the gas station, raises the price uh, of their gas because the demand is so high. What I don't want is for the guy to see me coming in again and be like, I'm going to raise the price of Sapporo in the register real quick um, because it might happen. Uh, it's been happening that I've been back and forth so many times. Uh, I missed the game against Atlanta this weekend. I was down in Elizabeth City, North Carolina, visiting my brother-in-law and going out on the Pasquatank River in his boat, which was super fun. Um, and also hitting up a brewery that's like, in the downstairs from his apartment building, basically like a couple buildings over uh, you walk through a very nice pedestrian alley to get there. Um, It's called ghost Harbor. It's currently the only brewery in, or at least the only microbrewery there in in Elizabeth city, but there's another one opening right on the river. Uh, So good time to go visit here in a little bit, but I'm drinking their IPA or one of several IPAs that I think they have. This one is called complex solution uh, IPA. And it's, it's pretty good. It's a decent drinkable little, IPA. Um, they are pretty IPA heavy, so if that's not your bag, then maybe steer clear for now. But If that's not your bag, then uh, don't go to any brewery in America right now. Yeah, pretty much. I- except uh, shoot, I'm blanking on the name. Uh, right Proper Brewing. They, they mostly go with session beers, a lot of sours, a lot of lagers, a lot of ales that are not super hopped. Uh, right proper is good stuff. I like them a lot here in DC. Um, let's talk about soccer, I guess. No, Unless Ben, you no, really want to keep talking generational I stuff. Yeah, I prefer that over what happened on this I mean, soccer game. We all know Generation Alpha will save us all. That's yeah, our kids. Probably. Well, yeah, but I mean, if there's a world to 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 give to them. All right, now that that's too dark. Let's let's talk soccer now. <laughs> DC United took 27 shots, had every opportunity to win it, but instead gave up a late winner to the Interlopers United South region. Uh, Saturday night on Buzzard Point, 2-1 to one Atlanta United was the final. Um, when you outshoot the other team, and this was like DC United outshot them by like 15 or I, I can't even remember how many shots Atlanta United had. At one point in the second half, it was 10 shots to nothing since halftime for DC United. Uh, and when you outshoot a team like that, just as thoroughly as United did and lose, you have to look at the areas around the boxes at either end of the field, because that's pretty clearly where the game was, was decided. Atlanta finished a couple of their chances. DC United left too many on the table. And, and that was it. 
Yeah, uh, it really does. I mean, it, it's not a lot of fun to boil it down to that, but DC had the better of this game. They were the better team uh, for most of it, I would say. A solid hour of the the 90 minutes were DC's. Uh, but, you know, the ball has to go in the goal. Um, and DC showed maybe some lack of discipline in a few creative moments where they could have maybe created a better chance. But a lot of the time it was just they created the better chance. They just didn't put it away. Um, and meanwhile, on the Atlanta side, uh, unfortunately, what we learned is that, you know, if DC is mostly good in a game but has a few letdowns, um, they can't get away with it in a way that um, Atlanta fielding Joseph Martinez, like the, arguably the best goal scorer, pure goal scorer in MLS history, um, right. backed up by Ezekiel Barco and Marcelino Moreno and Luis Araujo. Um, I've lost the pronunciation. I had it earlier. Araujo. Yes. Um, but all of the, all four of those players cost more than any single player in DC United history. And all four of them were on the field from the start for Atlanta. And so even though DC won the tactical battle uh, and worked harder and had more looks and all these other things, MLS is still a league where if you have $30 million in four attackers, uh, you can get away with a lot and still win the game. Um, this is something that's been going on for a long time. It was when Bruce Arena was at the Galaxy. This is how they they won games. It wasn't that they were always good. It was that when they got their chances, they're probably going to score um, because they had some of the best players in league history running at you, and you probably didn't have the same. And that's yeah, those Bruce Arena teams. Into. Those Bruce Arena teams. They won so many games one to nothing, and you would not expect that a team with Robbie Keane. Landon Donovan, David Beckham, Juninho, who is a defensive midfielder, but could attack um, or could spring the attack. Why are they only only winning games one nothing? It was bizarre, but it worked for them, I guess. Um, going to United's attack, Ola Kamara had not not his best finishing night. Certainly, he had a, a couple of chances that you got to put at least one of them away. I'm not going to say he he had to score both of them, but when you get looks that good, he had a, a header that missed just wide. He had a look off of a corner kick from six yards that he skied. Mm-hmm. Um, he mean, headed one down gotta, into the dirt that was, if he had angled it a little better, would have been re- real difficult. And instead it went into the turf and that took all its momentum away. Yeah. You, you got to find a way to score one of them. He's, like he's still scoring goals at a, a very solid clip. It's just he he leaves a lot on the table. It, it reminds yeah. me of Bradley Wright Phillipson when he was winning the Golden Boot and Thierry Henry. I think I've said this on the show. Thierry Henry said, "Yeah, he'd have twice as many goals if he would finish the ones I gave him." Well, uh, th- we could say this about literally any striker yeah, that wins it's the Golden tr- Boot. It's true. You, well, you have to get yeah. chances. Yeah, and like the the. Uh... Kamara had an unsustainable uh, uh, goal scoring rate. Like we we loved his goal scoring rate coming into the the past couple of games. Uh, I feel like we can also all admit that it was uh, an unsustainable uh, goal scoring rate. But in this game, he he should have done better. And and that's that that's the other side of that of that goal scoring rate and hopefully he he brings it around as we uh come out of this game and and go into into the uh down the stretch but i mean if his yeah. finishing is even average i think he maintains 
with the chances that this team generates and the, yeah. the, the spaces he gets into, he's going to have a better than one per 90 goal scoring rate for the season. I think that is totally sustainable for him. Uh, sure. He's just got to actually finish the chances that he works. But, he works really hard to get into those positions and be a part of creating them. Those, those chances. He's just got to finish them. But, you know, but to Ben's point, it being unsustainable, like when that, what that means is that at some point you're going to have a course correction kind of game. And for Kamara, this was a course correction game. You know, this is a game where his expected goals were at, uh, at least from the MLS site, at 0.79. Um, and this season for him, if you give him 0.79, that's like four goals. Yeah. Um, and in this game, yeah. instead, it was zero goals. Um, so, you know, the good news is that this is kind of the oddball game for him. It's not the other way around where normally uh, he is wasting a ton of chances and every once in a while he scores. It's this is the unusual one. So we shouldn't let the recency of this game, uh, you know, delude us into thinking that, well, now, you know, all the stuff that people are saying early in the season, it turned out to be true after all. It's like, no, the guy is still very good um, just because he might not be like able to, for every game for the rest of the season, uh, put up a potentially historic uh, goals per 90 minute rate in league history doesn't mean that he's bad. It just means that this was a frustrating night because he did have, he had seven shots. Um, If you give Kamara in 2021, seven shots, you're probably going to win the game. Um, And if DC gives him seven shots in this next game against Philly, I would say that's a great sign that they're going to beat Philly for the first time in seemingly uh, 100 years. Um, So, you know, this one was tough. It's always tough. It's a tough pill to swallow. Um, but I, you know, I don't want to necessarily brush off the fact that um, DC still created more than enough chances to beat Atlanta, even with Atlanta's improvement uh, in, in, you know, not just, not just having expensive players, but like Rob Valentino, if anything, like if you're an, an MLS coach in or an MLS team in like three months, who is like, yeah, maybe our coach should get out of here. Uh, maybe we should find a different guy. Maybe you should consider Rob Valentino because uh, Atlanta isn't winning these games completely by accident and they're not winning it completely by just having spent the money because if it was just spending the money Gabriel Gabriel Heinz would still be around or Frank DeBoer would still be around um and so you know I think um uh I I think this was a a Rob Ussery tweet but like how how badly does that look for those guys that they couldn't unlock these Atlanta superstars while the the assistant coach comes in is like not only am I going to unlock these players in a way that only Martinez has ever played at this level in his entire time in MLS, but I'm also going to do it toggling between four, two, three, one. And this like weird, like in our recap, it's listed as a three, five, one, one. There are times where Atlanta played like a, the three, 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 one that Jesse Marsh played in his last year with the Red Bulls. Um, These are not systems you can just come in and be like, guys, we're going to change to this uh, real quick here. Uh, Don't worry about it. Um, this is stuff that takes work. So, you know, let's not forget that Atlanta is actually a good team. They've just been playing like a bad team. Uh, unfortunately for DC, it makes the playoff race a lot tighter if they continue playing like a good team, but, um, those are kind of the breaks. And one of the things I mentioned in our reactions post was that this is kind of the downside of this game is that DC has kind of shown an ability to get its points when they play someone that's not very good they get the points. Uh, they don't leave points on the table against bad teams. Unfortunately, they also haven't picked up very many points against the good teams. Uh, the teams that are above them in the standings, they've got six points in, I think, 10 games. Um, 
So it's kind of like you can almost tell where a DC game is going to go based on the standings, which is weird because we've had so many games where it feels like DC deserved more and they've overachieved based on talent level. But when you winnow it down to just pure results, it's like, well, if DC plays the team that's in fifth and DC's in seventh, they're probably not going to win. But if they play the team in eighth, they probably will win, um, which is a strange way to think about it. But it's also so far we're halfway through the season. It's kind of bearing out. Uh, elsewhere on the field, uh, Edison Flores was active again. He he left some chances on the table as well, but he was really active. You you like to see that. He only played for an hour. Hopefully that means he can go longer against Philly with a full week off. Uh, at the other end of the field, uh, John Kempen did not have the, the best night. Um, did not look great on Joseph Martinez's goal. Um, looked like he, he almost kind of played dead on it. I'm not sure what he, he was doing. He basically he fell down. Yeah, he, uh, like I he don't know if he, he bit it fake his heels or, and just sort of yeah. fell back. Not great. Yeah. Uh, he's, an arm, he's an armadillo. And even even if Joseph Martinez was offside on that play, which I think he was, VAR probably should have checked that a little bit closer than they did. Um, would, be, would be cool if they were to even give a phone call or a, yeah. whatever it is down to a, a referee, but instead... Yeah. Nothing. Uh, I but, think that's but the problem. either they, way, they, John kempen has got to do better. Yeah, they, they they were they were using US Cellular to try and call down, and, and <laughs> like just their uh, cell service didn't uh, get down to the uh, uh, Sprint uh, uh, headset that uh, the the ref had. So I mean, uh, it, it just happens. Well, one thing I will throw in, Adam, you said that Kempen should have done better, and we we are he still talking about a couple of times. But on this specific play, we are talking about Joseph Martinez getting in behind everybody and running in on goal. So it's definitely not like Kempen did a bad job. He fell down in a moment where he needs to be able to plant his feet and make a jump or commit in some kind of way. Um, But we also need, if DC turns the ball over at midfield, which is how this started, it shouldn't be one guy takes two touches up the field and all of a sudden he has a solid 15 yards of space in every direction all around him, which is what Marcelino Moreno had. Um, well, Russell Knauss actually... had also dropped into the back line. Russell Knauss was actually one. If Joseph Martinez was offside, it was Russell Knauss keeping him on. Right. Um, I don't know why that was the case in this moment either. Um, there were, there were a lot of things that went wrong on that goal. It, yeah. I, it's a really I, discombobulated, I would, that's a fair point. You know, it's a discombobulated look. Like if you look at when, Moreno brings comes through and gets all that space. You also have Nahar had been higher up than the rest of the back four and then or back three and then goes back behind everyone and then Canals ends up overtaking him. Like, you know, Tony Alfaro ends up kind of uh inside. Uh Burnbaum stepped up. So there's a group big disorganization from the whole group back there. Um and that's you know as much as as much as I think it's a valid concern for fans right now to be like, you know. Is Chris Seitz uh, a better option at this point? Uh, in the meantime, I think that's a valid question to be asking for sure. But I'm also looking at this goal and thinking, like, it's a one-on-one with Joseph Martinez. Like, how many of these do you really stop? Um, and the answer right. is not that many. Right. That's why we should place uh, uh, Jason Anderson in the goal and uh, when we don't have Bill Hamid, and that'll do better. I'm, uh, I'm not sure that's true. It's not. I, I I am I am in a deceptively good uh, emergency. Our goalkeeper broke his finger. Goalkeeper for an indoor team <laughs> in like the over thirty league, but that doesn't mean I'm good. It just means like 
if you looked at me, you would think this is going to be a disaster, and it's not Jason, as bad as you think. Jason, you, you you could take on Joseph Martinez. Come on, I couldn't. Uh, in in, <laughs> in most endeavors, I think there's very few things that that, that would be true, and certainly none none athletically. Do you remember the show Shaq versus? Yes, uh, another another like... person that also would beat me in most sports. I feel like Joseph versus would be a very fun show. I think he would be really game, and it would be yeah, really he, fun. He could have fun with it. Uh, that's a yep. if, right. you're, if if you're a TV producer, don't steal that idea from us. Work with us. Well, yes. we're ready to help you, but don't steal. <laughs> we'll we'll message Jillian Sakovitz, our message, our, our guest from last week, to to pitch that to her and ask her ask her if we can help out with Tim, it as well. Tim, 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 Tim. There you go. Uh, that's how trademarks work, by the way. You yell TM yeah. a bunch of times, and it's so. Right. No, exactly. I, I actually had more problems with Kempen's um, Kempen getting frozen on the game mm-hmm. winner from Marcelino Moreno because Moreno had taken that exact shot two or three yes. other times where he's going to the right and he shoots back to his left across and through traffic. He was that was the goal he wanted to score all game, and Kempen cheated and played for the curler to the to his his own left. And instead of the shot Moreno had set up and I'm sure Moreno, you know, was deceptive with his body, but he'd taken that exact shot multiple times. And it was, it was frustrating to see Kempen frozen on that one. Um, he, he did come up really big on a one V one with sure. Martinez in the second half. He had a couple of good touch saves on, on Moreno and others. Uh, so it's, it's mixed, but right. It it's is. mixed results. Um, yeah. You and just, you know, the, yeah. The, the second goal, you know, it does, it's a low shot that gets through Knaus. And I think, I don't think it actually clips Tony Alfaro, but it's very, very close to clipping Tony Alfaro's foot. Um, but I think the combination of those two things, it's, it's traffic in front that maybe, you know, it doesn't necessarily excuse. You don't want to see your goalkeeper just go completely flat like that. Um, but, uh, you know, in general, like, if you hold Atlanta to shots like that at that stage in the game, and also I believe that was their second shot attempt of the entire second half. Yeah. It feels really, really bad to walk away from that game without something because that team, you know, the talent that they've got, like those guys aren't that priced because Atlanta's full of dummies and overpays. Uh, Those players are really, really good. Um, And to hold them to so little uh, and yet to end up giving up a goal that is like, kind of like designed to be torturous because the shot wasn't that hard um, and it didn't take the deflection uh, and it just sort of creeps in and you, and as soon as it got past how far you could see that Kempen was flat and flat footed and wasn't going to be able to get there and that it was going to go in and it's like, you have to watch it bobble across the mm-hmm. line. Um, that's especially torturous uh, when you've spent most of the game just trying to kick the door in. Um, you know, I, I understand why Losada after the game uh, kind of was laughing about the way it played out because he was like, you know, we, we I, I think the way he put it was like, we score a goal that's from another planet, uh, but we don't score the easy ones. Um, yep. And, you know, if you don't score the easy ones, like this is why I'm always talking about garbage goals, because if you're scoring a bunch of garbage goals, maybe you won't ever make the goal of the week chart, but you're going to be winning games all the time. If you score garbage goals once a week, you're probably going to be a winning team. And if you are, needing these worldies there's a little 2019 dc united with wayne rooney element there where yes when the worldie arrives maybe you do win but what happens when that doesn't happen because guess what 
the world class incredible goal, you don't get them very often. Uh, so you and they don't count end with many goals. They count exactly the same well, as the garbage goal. We should we should maybe campaign a little bit for goal of the week to count. Uh, Reina's goal should yeah, be getting we're, some we're getting. Yeah, we're uh, going to get to Reina's goal next yeah. um, because we deserve some good things in this world. And Jordy Reina's goal was certainly a good thing. He caught everyone off guard, curled it in basically from the sideline. Uh, it wasn't even that much of a curl either. He just kind of drove it in over uh, Brad Guzan, who was retreating back from, from directing and traffic. He, and he was also just like, I- I'm taking this. I'm taking this shot. Get out of my way. I'm taking I mean, it. There's no live footage of it hap- because like on the broadcast they were showing a replay of the foul or of some other play and all of a sudden dave and devon are just losing their minds and the lights are flashing in dc united celebrating a goal because jordy reina caught everyone including the production team off guard with this shot uh last i checked it was not leading the goal of the week voting because terrible MLS fans are silly and they voted for a really pedestrian goal from philadelphia DC United fans, like we're down on on internet voting. We need to get, we need to reactivate our internet voting acumen. Yeah, we do because uh, this absolutely deserves to be goal of the week. It was it was a fantastic goal, and we'd be celebrating it more. I think if if we had scored some of the easy ones, as, sure. as we've yeah. talked about already. Uh, and I, I do want to um, I want to shout out. Uh, Nate Scott, a uh, frequent guest of this show, who was the, the first person to tweet out something that I know a bunch of us in the press box were amused by, which is the fact that Julian Gressel is coming across to take this set piece because he's Julian Gressel. He's been taking set pieces all year. They've been very good. Um, there's a good reason to have him come over and take it. Um, and even, even if you listen to uh, Z Soccer podcast, which just came out today, um, he mentions this. He says that exactly what Nate uh, tweeted out as well, that he was coming across and saw he noticed that Reyna was ready to go for goal and was trying to be like, no, 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 don't do this. Don't. Um, and uh, Reyna just ignored him because he saw like to his immense credit, he saw that what Guzan was doing was Guzan's looking away from him, pointing at marking assignments. Um, there's one person, Brooks Lennon, who had committed the foul, who I think committed like three fouls in like 45 seconds in that general vicinity of this one as well, which is also funny is, is a one man wall. He's the only person looking at what's going on. Um, And so I think maybe Lennon and Gressel were the only people in possibly in the entire stadium, other than Reyna who knew what was about to happen, Um, (laughs) which is, which is pretty funny. Um, I mean, I wish we were talking about it as like a a remarkable goal in a great comeback win. Uh, And now that, goal of the week might go awry this might join the um marcelo gallardo uh and other great goals of dc united past that do not get nominated for goal of the year because it didn't win goal of the the week uh because democracy has its uh, failings sometimes and people vote badly uh maybe this happens on a national scale and maybe this happens on goal of the week um (laughs) and uh this in this case fortunately the damage won't be to our lives it'll just be to uh you know this goal should have counted for more than it than it's gonna get more it should get more talk than it's getting i feel like this is one of the best goals of the season in the league absolutely um but we're not going to talk about it anymore right now instead we're going to move on a little bit um dc united are now on a three-game losing streak uh first one since early this season 
Um, we are on the playoff line. DC United is exactly yeah. on the playoff line. They are leaning on to the good side of the playoff line by virtue of the wins tiebreaker. Um, so I'm going to steal a, a conceit that, that Jason adopted in the four things column that ran today uh, in the reaction post to, to this game. Uh, is the glass half empty or half full for you right now? Ben, what say you? Half empty or half I'm, full? I'm still half full. I mean, I, I did like a rebuilding year after uh, uh, firing the coach of the past uh, 10 years, not giving the new coach much of a, uh, a runway to pick his own players. I, I'm still half full. Uh, like, I want uh, uh, DC to make the playoffs this year. That would be great. But I mean, even if they don't, I, I don't think it's a failure of a season. I don't think it's it's a failure on Hernan Losada. Uh, it, it's th- that's not my marker of of success for this season. Uh, I want them to do well. I want them to. I want them to make the playoffs. But uh, th- there's a lot of other markers uh, of a successful season. So I'm hoping that they meet those markers, and I hope that they're. Uh, making progress towards a good season for next year, uh, a good uh, off season, a good uh, 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 signing players and all of those things. Uh, so, yeah. Yeah. I'm in the same wheelhouse. I mean, the the fact is that DC set a record for shots against Atlanta in a game um, and didn't win it, um, which is unusual. Um, the reason that this past week, feels so acutely irritating and and can tend to want to make us be negative as a fan base is that all three of these games were there to be won. Uh, and it's not because the other team handed DC some stuff. It's because DC did the things they needed to do to set themselves up to win. Um, they took the lead in Nashville. They took the lead uh, over the Rebs. Um, they really should have taken the lead against Atlanta. Um, a few and, different times. <laughs> yeah. Um, and so... They, they put themselves in position to win a bunch of these games. And we have before this week, uh, you know, this one week, you know, we also have to remember three losses in a week. It's It feels like much longer of a period of time because it's so many games in such a compressed window. Um, I know this season has completely demolished my ability to, to coming off of 2020. I needed a year where things became regular and regimented in a schedule that I could understand a calendar again. And instead, this MLS season is engineered to further, like, take the the shattered remnants of my understanding of time and, like, completely pulverize it, pulverize <laughs> it into, like, a fine powder. Um, and so I feel confused all the time. But, like, it 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 was a week ago. Like, we're, we're nine days since the, the, the losing streak began. But right before that, DC was on uh, five games unbeaten. They had won uh, four out of seven games, I want to say. Um, and so they were in very good form because they were doing the things to set themselves up to win and then taking advantage. Um, and I think that they're still doing the things that you need to do to win. You're still, they're still setting themselves up in just about every single game. Um, so yes, sometimes you get unlucky. This Atlanta game, I think, um, is a good example of that, where if we have a little bit of a more stringent referee, Maybe Atlanta doesn't get their lead. 
Um, and maybe we're talking about like an irritating one-one draw in which DC wastes a bunch of chances, but that would still feel better than this. Um, but yeah, I'm still I'm still half full in part because also look at the teams that DC has been putting out lately. Like this is not yes. the best of DC United. Um, they have better players that for various reasons are either having to rest to protect injuries. We only got one game out of Andy Nahar out of those three. That's not a, that's not a thing that DC is set up to do well without uh, right now. Um, Edison Flores can only play about an hour at a time. It seems like uh, we, Paul Ariola no came no out. Ariola. Yeah. 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 No Hamid. Um, you well, know, and, and, also, like, no Brendan Hine, Brendan Hines Ike. Like sure. the early this early or season, uh, or Pines, but this early season DC United, like Brendan Hines Ike was a a key a key contributor to this early season team, and I I don't think we'll see him the rest of this uh, season necessarily. But uh, so like, there's a lot of things happening on this back line that are that are. Uh, uh, that DC United has to react to. And, it, and it, you know, it goes on like the within context, like the Revs game, for example, um, DC had to rotate very heavily. Um, so they went through that game without Moreno as a starter, without Gressel as a starter. Um, no Nahar, like we talked about, Kevin Paredes was kept out. Um, so a lot of these lineups have looked a little bit like if we had an open cup this year, like a first round or an early round open cup game against, uh, most likely, almost inevitably, the Richmond Kickers. Yeah. Um, and and so you know the reason that those team those players end up in that game and not in the MLS game is that they have not established themselves as starter. But this year, if you're a DC United player, you're going to play. Um, right. Yeah. Because I think eventually, Dave pointed out, Dave Johnson pointed out in the New England game, uh, DC United's had what 27 starters this year and 28 guys or 28 starters, 29 players have played. And Ramon Avila is the one DC United player who's played a game that hasn't started yet this year. Uh, that, that I believe is, is accurate. If anything, though, there might be the number of players who've appeared might be higher, um, <laughs> which uh, DC has 32 um, or had 32 until they loaned Eric Sorga out. Um, but yeah. You know, that's the way it's been this year for DC has just been, um, you know, nonstop change. And so we almost haven't gotten to see the ceiling of this team. Like it felt like this week kind of on one hand did feel like hitting that ceiling, but on the other hand, I think it's sort of like, this is us hitting the ceiling with both hands tied behind our back, uh, which is a mixed metaphor to say the least. Uh, But it is also like, you ever tried jumping with your hands tied behind your back? It doesn't go well. I don't want to get into why you've apparently tried jumping with your hands behind your back. That's your business. Um, but yeah, it, it this team has uh, a reason to feel like they've got more growth to, to come. Um, and so a week like this, it feels bad. It's not a lot of fun to lose three in a row, especially when they all happen so quickly. Um, and if, if this becomes like, if the psychological side of losing three in a row like this becomes like a prolonged thing, um, that would worry me because I don't, I think this is a team that has to be kind of at the height of its belief and it's good feeling, good vibes, all that kind of stuff. I think that needs to be high for this team to accomplish much of anything. Um, that's a, that this is not a team that's going to get some good results while having uh, a loss of confidence. This is not Atlanta. This is not the revs um, where the star players can produce a bit of magic here and there. 
in a way to go back to 2019 with Rooney, that was a team that could sometimes pick up a result with bad vibes because Rooney could do something out of nothing or Lucho might do something out of nothing. There is no Rooney or Lucho on this team right now. Um, maybe yeah, everyone Edison has Flores to gets up. there, but you know, realistically at yeah. this point, we've got a lot more Flores is good, but he's not Rooney level. Then we've got, yes, he can carry the team through these games where he, the rest of them don't play very well. Um, so yeah, the, it is an, it, it feels like an inflection point for sure. This weekend training, um, just getting the team back on, you know, covering the stuff of like, we've played well. It's just that we're doing, we're doing these small things badly that are costing us. And I think after the game, Steve Birnbaum brought this up immediately. It's just, um, it's small mistakes that are costing them. It's not big mistakes. It's not, they don't know how to play the system. It's like one guy steps a little too early or right. John Kempen loses his footing. Uh, these small mistakes that are correctable, which is the good news. Yeah. And you want to hear that belief stay up and not, you don't want that the doubt to start to creep in. And so a win against Philadelphia will go a long way towards maintaining the good vibes, especially because there's an actual honest to God bye week after the Philly game <laughs> before the, the schedule goes back into grind them all into dust mode um, with a series of three game weeks just for the rest of the season, basically up until decision day. Um, and you don't want to go into the break on a four game losing streak, certainly. So hopefully a win against Philadelphia uh, brings good vibes. And then DC United keeps building on that after, after the, I guess it's an international window. It is. Um, so. And it, an international window that is also packed to the gills with games. Yes. Uh, oh, this is the first, this is the first the round of World Cup games. qualifying. That's right. Yes. An absolutely bonkers idea that someone at FIFA should have been, uh, put in a dunk tank i feel like for even proposing and instead it's our reality i'm gonna say instead of putting them in the dunk tank they should get into like the great gonzo's cannon and be fired at the target to put someone else in the dunk tank (laughs) okay they should Uh, they should be the ball for the dunk tank is what i'm saying because i feel like the ball gets it a lot worse (laughs) i think that's it we're done it's a dave osborne level idea (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> super dave yeah uh thank you all for listening to our nonsense uh find us at black and if you want to support us financially you can throw us some money at patreon.com slash filibuster uh as a special bonus our patrons often get early access to episodes like the philadelphia preview we're about to record you'll get early access to that if you are a paying patron of of ours and we thank everyone who has paid or even considered paying for for such privileged access find us on twitter at black and red you for the website at filibuster dcu for the podcast send your emails to filibusterpodcast at gmail.com uh ratings reviews i'm told are very helpful wherever you get your podcasts so send you know write a nice review give us five stars all that that usual jazz and mostly tell a friend about the show. So when you're at the tailgate or uh, at Audi field on Saturday, uh, talk about the, what, what you heard tonight with a friend and uh, maybe they'll start listening too. Thank you again for listening for Jason. Ben, I'm Adam. We'll talk to you again real soon. Say goodbye, Jason. Uh, stand with the professional soccer referees association in their push for PRO to uh, uh, voluntarily recognize their push to unionize. Unions are good. Actually. 
Solidarity forever. <laughs>